0: What's up, everyone? I'm your host JJ Rivera, and welcome to 305 Culture, a podcast where you feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat
1: basketball. Hey, hoopheads! We appreciate you listening to this episode of 305 Culture. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavaliers Central, Knuck If You Buck, Daily Thunder. Spanning the Spurs, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, the Wizards Hoops Analyst, at the buzzer, and Lakers fast break. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts: Drive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, The Hoopheads podcast. Hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, hoop heads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com.
0: What's up, everyone? I'm your host, J.J. Rivera. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Kenneth Wilson. And welcome to 305 Culture, a show where you feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Well, first off, Kenneth, how you doing, buddy? I can't complain, man. How about you? How are you? I've been I've been pretty fine. The Heat have been playing really well lately, aside from that box game, which we're going to discuss a bit. But, you know, I just got done with college, so you know I, I feel pretty relieved about that
2: congratulations man that's good thank you thank you
0: well let's re- let's review the heat's week very briefly the heat went 3 and 1 on the week with wins against the philadelphia 76ers the boston celtics and the detroit pistons and a loss against the Milwaukee bucks now we're not going to get too much into those games since they've already been a week and side note yes this episode will come out a bit later than our listeners are used to but by next week we'll be back to a regular schedule programming now for the bucks game i want to discuss that bucks game really quickly jimmy did not play and in fact jimmy only played in one game against the top three teams in the east the sixers the nets and the bucks he only played one game which was this week against the sixers and we blew the sixers out now we finished the season series against the bucks one and two with one of those losses being the horrendous blowout that the bucks handed to us in, in december but by by the way both teams are drastically different than they were back in december that's it's been a long time since that and you know this week the game there were some frustrating aspects i i think that was the game i expected us to lose which basically doomed us to the sixth seed in a first round matchup against the Milwaukee Bucks, which I, you know, you you have to play anybody that's in front of you, but I would have liked to play to have played either the Hawks or the Knicks, but here we are, we cannot change it, change that anymore. So Kenneth, how you feel about this first round matchup with the Milwaukee Bucks?
2: Honestly, man, it doesn't even bother me. Um, The way they played us in that game made you feel like they wanted to play us. However, um, that bothers me. Well, not bothers me. That kind of befuddles me because for the most part, we've had their number. Um, When it comes to the Bucks and the Heat, what happens is we out-tough them. When it comes down to it, we are more mentally tough. We are more willing to do the dirty work. Yeah, they had a preeminent superstar in Giannis, but um, we've shown that we can build the wall against him. And, you know, hopefully when the chips matters the most or when all the chips are pushed into the table and that thing matters the most, our guy, Bam, steps up and plays like the superstar he is. Um, when it comes to the defensive effort, nobody can stop Giannis once he gets going, but I think we have one of the best options as far as being able to throw a guy at him consistently if we need to do that with Bam. Um, but from an overall team perspective, man, they don't bother me because I feel like over the last couple of years, and especially with Jimmy Butler and tow, even with the changes they've made, we tend to have their number because we know how to defend Giannis and we know how to be tougher. I mean, plain and simple. And that's always been the thing with Bud teams. Whether you look back at Atlanta with Paul Millsap and Damari Carroll and he had Teague and that was the teams with Corver and Horford and all of those. They've always had toughness issues, man. Throughout the regular season, they'll dominate. When they get to the playoffs, they crumble like a race of dust. So they're going to have to show me. I, I'm Don't get me wrong. Like you said, if we had had the opportunity to play New York or Atlanta in the first round, an easier first-round series, I probably would have taken that. But what that means is, okay, if you look at Philly, they're going to have eight. Brooklyn's going to have seven. Milwaukee has us. And then New York and Atlanta, which means um, then on the other side of that playoff bracket, we're looking at the winner of Philly in number eight.
0: Yeah, I think Philly, they're going to get either Indiana or Washington, and I think they're going to smoke either team.
2: Yeah, man, I think that allows us the opportunity to stay off of that Brooklyn side, to be honest. Yeah, but – and. Brooklyn is slated to play Boston
0: as well that since, we, you know, Jason Tatum had a 50-ball 50, 50 last night. He was,
2: he was great last night. Which I and think is I think- good for us as well because you get – while Boston hasn't been playing great ball recently, um, I think you get a chance to put them up against a team that, let's just be honest, if they click, Boston can beat them. Boston hasn't looked good this season at all, but Boston is talented, man. So you know you have to like that if you're a Heat fan from the perspective of one to see some of the bigger seeds take on some challenges. I am gonna
0: slightly disagree with that point. I think well, of course, anybody can be anybody in the in the NBA. However, I think that the Nets are just too good for the Celtics, and with and the absence of Jalen Brown is going to be huge in that series you, because you've got two, three incredible scorers. Maybe Tatum can take one of them, but the the absence of Jalen Brown to guard one of the other guys, of the other two of to guard two of those three guys is gonna be accentuated in this series. And Jason Tatum, you know, he's gonna have his shots because the Nets don't defend. Particular but their issue is not defending wings. particularly I I think their issue would be defending big men. But Tatum is such a skilled player and scorer in particular that I think he's gonna get. His shots up and he's gonna get his scoring numbers, but I don't think it'll be enough. Maybe they'll steal a game or two. I just think the Nets have too much talent for that Celtics team.
2: Let me counter you with this. Let me counter you with this, boss. None of us have seen those three play a playoff series together. Hell, we haven't seen them play that many regular seasons games together. Um, I also offer you this. Between Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant, how many of them have been the lead dog on their own team that went on to win a title? The closest, wait, one, the closest one, the closest one you can that's say I, that's, is that's not. Uh-uh. that's not what I asked you, JJ. Well, technically, none of them. Nah, there you I, go. I that, that, that that I'll
0: say. Is, there's the answer. I'll, but go ahead. I'll I'll say Katie was the one that was
2: the closest KD, KD, to fit KD that KD criteria. Come on, bro. He was but the best was... player. Yeah, he was the best player on that team. But theoretically, he was like the third or fourth guy, so he was free just to shoot the rock. Steph Curry took on the superstar questions. Draymond took on the tough questions, and Klay Thompson took on the um took on the buddy cop questions. KD was there to play ball. They protected him and shielded him from everything. That's not fair. You can't say that. But go ahead.
0: All right, that's a fair point. But I meant basketball wise, he was more than a one. One B, to steps, one A. That that's what I would say.
2: Right, and when you're playing with Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, and everything else they had in that team, shout out Iggy then you can just focus on basketball. But you're in Brooklyn now, baby, where you're like the league guy. You don't like attention. That makes two of you guys. You got to respond to everything on social media. You can't play the field. Like them reporters going to be coming in hot. And if you you know what I mean, and you know the game, you know that the game is bigger than just what you do on the court. What happens outside of the court kind of impacts what happens on the court. So I'll say this from a talent perspective, from a dribble per dribble perspective, from a what is your rating on 2K perspective, I agree with you. But I think basketball, when you come to playoff basketball, is much bigger than that. Now, that's one side of it. The second thing is I think you're failing to look at what Boston has from a game to game perspective in the regular season. You have back to backs and all of that. I think Kimball Walker missed quite a bit of time Um, you know, with the management of the injury situation. However, in the playoffs where you get a break in between games, he's not going to be missing games. Yeah, they're going to miss Jalen Brown, but Kemba, when he has breaks in between games, Kemba can still give you buckets. Um, And then on the defensive side, I also think you're not taking into consideration the impact that Marcus Smart can have. Look, man, you're talking about three of those guys. So one of them's always going to have the opportunity to go off. But if you can keep two of them or three of them from going nuclear, you can win. You mentioned Jason Tatum. You throw Marcus Smart on the other one, whether that's Kyrie or James Harden. And I think, I mean, Marcus, I, you, I think Marcus Smart will be more effective against James Harden, but go ahead. That, either, that's what I said. Either way, however you feel about it, wherever you want him at, I feel like you can cover two of the three and you got a shot. I mean, the Nets are the better team and should be the favorite going in. I just think Boston has a better shot than you do. Well, that's
0: – agree to disagree. Absolutely. However, I think, you know, the Kemba point – I want to come go back to the Kemba point. I think it all depends on how his his knee responds. He's, hem, he's had some knee issues this season. And, you know, he's looked fine in some occasions. On the defensive end, he's going to get targeted. <laughs> like like hell you're going Oh yeah
2: he's always going to get I mean I don't care if he's 100% healthy he's going to get targeted on defense regardless So That's
0: an issue that Boston will have to work out but let's focus on the heat and the bucks series I really want to talk about this one because I'm excited about this matchup it's not my preferred matchup but I think it's going to be a hell of a series potential has the potential to be the best first round series of all the first round series including the western conference although a Phoenix Lakers series is really it sounds really enticing, but you know I think that this series is gonna is gonna be have some fireworks on it, particularly because the Bucks have not seen Jimmy Butler this season, and Jimmy's been playing the best ball of his life. So that's gonna be interesting, and the Bucks they're improved from last season. Although they finished they finished third in the East, I think this is a much better. This is a team that's better suited for the playoffs than last season's iteration. Drew Holiday is a clear upgrade over Eric Bledsoe. That's a, that's a, that was a huge part of our game plan last, last playoffs. Just basically ignore Eric Bledsoe every time he had the ball in his hands. So you can't afford to do that with Drew Holiday. You can't do it to an extent because he's not going to hurt you like a Chris Middleton or a Giannis. But Drew Holiday is... An offensive upgrade over Eric Bledsoe, so you don't, you don't necessarily, you cannot necessarily live with just ducking, like going over screens against uh, Drew Holiday, like you did against Eric Bledsoe. And you know the the ARISA isn't the ARISA part is an interesting, it's it's an interesting how do you say it's an interesting factor. Because Jay Crowder enabled us to build the wall. He's, strong. he's built differently than Orisa. I'm not saying that he's better. I'm just saying that they're, they have different builds. You could throw Crowder and he could, he could take a shot from, from Giannis on a drive. Orisa, he can do that, but I think he's more, you know, his longer wingspan enables him to contest shots in a better manner. But it's gonna take a lot of punishment if you deploy the same strategy that you did against Giannis last season. I think it I'm interested to see how they defend all they also defend Brooke Lopez if they're gonna just put Ariza on Brooke Lopez and they're just gonna let him run the offense through basically post ups. There are a lot of interesting questions for this for the series, and I think we have the clear advantage. In the coaching department, Eric Spolstra thoroughly outcoached Coach Bud last season. And we have seen Coach Budenholster get outcoached for two seasons in a row in playoff series. So, Kenneth, uh, that was was quite a lot that I said there. What are your thoughts?
2: I mean, again, uh, we just have different takes on that, man. I mean, I agree with you as far as Drew Holiday giving them a different look. Um, But when it comes to the dynamic that he adds, um, you still have to look at it from a spacing perspective and what they'll be able to allow Giannis to do. Um, Like, let's just look at Drew Holiday's numbers really quick here. Um, If you look at him from three um, during this time with Milwaukee this season, which has been 59 games, Um, 56 games started he's shooting 39 percent from on 4.8 attempts so I will give you this that's a little bit better than I thought it was however I still would have to see what that looks like in a playoff setting because when you're talking about building a wall on Giannis you're talking about building that from the top down So things aren't going to look the same, whereas you have Drew Holiday able to come down, operate off the top of the key, off the dribble or whatever, and gives him all of that space or that freedom to be able to create some and manipulate that space. I want to see what that looks like and how he plays off that, because also, if you go back and look at the stats, how many times has he been in this situation, a playoff setting situation where things have gotten real condensed and people have game plan for him? So that would be the question that I would ask. Because if you look at his record, he's only been in the playoffs four times. Um, he's played he played nine games in 2017-18. He played three games in 2014-15. He played 13 playoff games in 2011-2012. And then he played five in 2010-11. So hasn't had any real playoff action in three or four years. And to be quite honest, he hasn't had a ton. So I, I still have to see him. In a live playoff setting, and especially after the Miami Heat have a chance to game plan for him and build that wall against Giannis.
0: That's a good point. I th- I think that's that's something that you have to take into consideration. Drew hasn't been to the playoffs in three seasons. Which, if I'm not mistaken, that last those last playoffs that he made was where he had that stellar first round series against the Portland Trailblazers, where he just basically put Damian Lillard in jail. So I don't know if you remember that series. And I think, you know, on offense, that's something, that's one of the keys for the Bucks to see how well does he respond to the Heat's schemes. Because you know they're going to throw some zone in there once or twice. He has yet to see Jimmy Butler in the playoffs, especially playoff Jimmy Butler. And you know they're going to throw some wild looks at the Bucks in order to throw them off. The wall against Giannis. It will probably be the same, although I expect Spo. I expect Spo to throw some wrinkles in there. To nerd f- to force them to adjust. I think the big key for Milwaukee will be how much Middleton punish it. Like aside from Ju- the Drew Holiday piece, I think how much does Chris Middleton, you know, punish the Heat for? paying so much attention to Giannis, because if if Middleton gets it going, he plays. If he plays sterile ball, that's going to be a really tough series for the Heat to win. And on the other side, for the Heat on offense, are four guards: Kendrick Nunn, Goran Dragic, Tyler Hero, and Duncan Robinson. How well can they play? Can Goran Dragic be at least ninety percent of the guy that he was last playoffs, which he was? Our, third, our clear-cut third-best player. Can Kendrick Nunn continue his sh- his hot shooting, particularly his hot spot-up shooting, his catch-and-shoot shooting, I should say? And can Duncan Robinson keep creating that gravity that he forces defenses to just basically tilt the uh, half of the floor and a- and enable Bam or Jimmy or even Tyler to drive the ball? And, of course, Tyler Hero, can he continue playing the same way he's been playing for the past two weeks or so. I think those are real big keys for Miami on the offensive side. I think the four guards are the biggest key for us.
2: Um, To, to, to kind of take it piece by piece to not get too far away from something before we address it. Um, let's look back at the, the Chris Middleton piece real quick. I'm going to be frank, man. I think that the strategy will be what it looks like a lot of times against Giannis. Make everybody else beat you. Um, if Chris Middleton's going to go six for eight from three, that's 18 points, right? And then if he's going to get you, you know, six three-pointers, you didn't give him.
0: Mid-range,
2: plus his mid-range midi. Right, that's it. what I was about to say. Then you give him eight to 12 points from the rest of the floor, whether that be, you know, three or four mid-range jumpers, a layup, a couple of free throws. So then you're looking at 28 for him. Okay, if he gives you 28 Uh, Drew gives you 16, everybody else gives you their points and you hold Giannis to, you know, less than 20, I still think you can win that game. You can, but the hard part, the hard part is containing Giannis to that amount of points. Well, here's the thing though, if you build the wall for him... He might get you twenty twenty five, but if it's a hard twenty twenty five, I still think that's a win. Your thing is not letting him dominate, be able to get a bucket when he wants, be able to get to the free throw line when he want, because then they control the pace of the game. I think that eventually, once you get so far into the game, he's gonna get his numbers because he's as big as he is, and because you know your things, your focuses are gonna shift depending on who's killing you. But I think if you if you make basically, I guess my point is, is let make Middleton beat you. If Middleton's gonna be the guy to beat you, then you will live with that. I'm gonna be honest. I guess that's true. You can't take away any everything. No, there's no way to take away everything. So if Middleton's gonna be the guy to beat you, I think you're gonna have to live with that. Because there's another thing you mentioned. Middleton's gonna beat you with jump shots, and if you're gonna beat me with jump shots, then I'll take my chances.
1: Um, that is true. On,
2: on. Go ahead. Go oh, ahead. sorry oh, about that. No, Didn't mean to no, cut yeah, you I,
1: off.
2: I, I was gonna say, Milton
0: is mostly known as a jump shooter. You know, he can drive the ball, and he can,
2: and if he gets to the free throw line, they're basically automatic. Oh yeah, definitely capable. But as as you noted, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna kill you from the outside if he does that. So, um, that's something you know I'd be willing to see. On everything else, man, I think we're peaking at the right time as far as. When you look at Gordon Dragic, I've been notating it for the last month. He's been ramping it up for the last month. You can see that extra gear starting to lube up. Um, Kendrick Nunn, like I said, he's been so cool and balling over the last month. Hit a ton of big shots, like those Needham shots in the moments of the game where you can feel momentum slipping or switching. Kendrick Nunn has continued to hit those type of shots. And I mean, as far as Tyler Hero goes, I mean, it goes without saying, but we're going to say it anyway. Over his last several games, man, the guy has just been NBA. Yeah, he's been NBA bubble level Tyler Hero. Um, You know, I just want to do some specifics real quick just to kind of look at it. Because if we're talking this level of play from him, then we're going to be hard to beat by anybody. You're talking 27, 12, 24, 18. And he has a three-point game in there in Milwaukee. But who didn't have a clunker? And then 16 at Detroit. Um, But here's the real thing, man, you're talking in most of those games, you know, coming off the pond and playing, you know, big minutes if he's going, but being able to have that kind of production and short spurts. I mean, basically, yeah, he comes in and if he's going, he plays, but you get him in with the second unit and then he just start going nuts before you realize that you have to play him more than a regular lot in a minute. So um, if he can continue playing like that, man, we're going to be tough to beat because the rest of those guys are playing well too. But I think Tyler is the key because he's a shot maker. If he's making his shots, Goren can do his thing. And, of course, Kendrick Nunn just slides in wherever you decide to play him and does his thing.
0: I'm interested. I Something that, as you were talking, I wanted to – something came up to my mind. How much better – How how well does our bench stack up? against the Milwaukee Bucks bench, because I think that's another key. I know that the rotation, the rotations get slashed in the playoffs, so we'll probably see the Bucks go, well, last season the Bucks went pretty deep into the rotation. That's something that cost them the series against the Heat. But we're probably gonna see seven or eight players from each side if we expect the Bucks to adjust from last season disaster. Now, the interesting part of that, how, how much does how much does Tyler Hero play? Whenever Bryn Forbes is on the floor, I think I would put Tyler Hero on or Goran Dragic and just attack him every single time. Because as we I saw in the game against the Bucks this week, Bryn Forbes, you know, he was killing us from three-point land. He's a, he's a shooter, but the guy cannot defend. And I think we have an advantage there because we have three quick guards and, well, I wouldn't call Tyler Hero quick, but he can get to the rim. And his finishing is much better this season, I feel, like.
2: so I, just feel like, I feel like. I feel like he's gotten to a point because I, I wouldn't say much better. I feel like it's with more purpose. He does it more aggressively. If you look last year, even up in the beginning of this season where he struggled. He finished a lot of the cutesy, flip it up off the glass, let it touch, fall in stuff last year. And he was trying a lot of that at the beginning of this year and it wasn't working, but he became more aggressive. And and this is the best way to articulate it. Less finger rolls, more hard layups off the glass. That's the difference later in the season for him, I'd say. Um, On that, looking at the benches and how they match up, if you took the 10 best player from this series, you could give the Bucks four of them, but I think the Heat will have the other six, and the Bucs might get Giannis, of course. Um, then I think you go Jimmy. I think you could argue Drew and Bam, but I would take Bam, then Drew. Um, then I would probably go Middleton, and the rest of them would be Heat guys before you got to another Bucks guy for me, unless you want to throw Lopez somewhere in there.
0: Yeah, that all depends on how Lopez... Because, right, so, like, so I mean but if, that if was he, just to
2: speak towards sure how does their bench match up, man, because I hadn't thought about well not hadn't thought about it, we hadn't got that far yet, but like I said, if Tyler and Gorn are going, um we could beat them off the pond. But go ahead.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's what I that's what I meant. If Tyler and Gorn are going, but that's the thing. Against this team, we have to play the same way that they played in the bubble, which is outstanding play from Goran. And of course, we had Jay Crowder back then shooting seven three-point seven, seven three attempts per game and shooting 40% on, on those attempts, which, by the way, was outstanding shooting from him. Maybe it doesn't have to necessarily be Arisa, but if we can get that level of shooting from either one of the four guards or even Arisa himself, that, that's a path to beat, to beating the Bucks, And also, really really important. If Brook is giving Bam the space, if he's playing drop coverage against Bam, Bam has shown enough improvement on his mid-range jump shot to to punish them from that area. In the game this week, he didn't do that. I think he only shot, as we mentioned in the pre-pod discussion, he shot nine times, and Jimmy Butler did not play. And as you accurately stated, he needs to take more than Nine shots if Jimmy Butler's not playing. Now, of course we're assuming that Jimmy Butler's not gonna miss any games against the Bucks. Because if he doesn't, we're basically screwed. But Jimmy Butler's a gamer, he's not gonna miss in any playoff games. However, if the if that's part of the Bucks game plan, you take you sometimes just have to take what the defense gives you. And I know that part of our offense is the dribble handoffs, the cutting. But you know, sometimes you just gotta be. You just gotta be the guy and say I'm, I'm gonna take these shots and scheme be damned. I'm just gonna take the shots, and I'm gonna make them. And then I'm gonna force the Bucks defense to come up to guard me up in the up around the free throw line area. And that's gonna cut up. We are the best cutting team in the NBA. That's gonna Duncan is a great cutter. Jimmy, of course, can cut too. And Ariza has shown some some cutting abilities too. What I mean, what I want to say with this is that Bam cannot. Can, can I be timid in this series?
2: Nope, I agree with you 100%. You know, I've been, you know, banging that drum all season long. Um, it, It's a make or miss league. We know that you're going to make or miss shots, but you miss all of the shots that you don't take. And that's Bam's biggest thing. He just doesn't take the shots. Um, But again, we we we've also came to like a point of acceptance, I would say over the last month or so, and I've been banging his drum for the last month or so, as I just mentioned, maybe that's just not him right now. And hopefully he becomes that guy, or maybe he never does. However, um, we still need him, as you said, to take what the defense gives him. Like, you don't have to force anything, man, but take what they give you. Um, this is gonna be a time where during the regular season, I'll put it like this. There are times where he can take them, and there are times where he where he doesn't take them, and it might not kill us. We may still win the game. If we lose the game, you could probably point to something else and say, well, we could have been better here. <laughs> Excuse me. We could have been better here, um, and we may have won the game as well. But in the playoffs, I think when the thing slows down, when we have half-court basketball being played and every possession matters, it's going to be a magnifying glass on it. And if he's not taking those shots or not taking the opportunities, as you mentioned, if Lopez is playing drop coverage and he has a 12 footer and he passes it up, those opportunities or those situations are going to be magnified. There's no way he's going to be able to run from it in this type of playoff scenario, especially if they're covering him An example, as you said.
0: Yeah. I think that's another, another big key for the Heat in the series. Now let's go to the predictions for the first round for this particular matchup and then we're going to move on to the to the other first rounds really quickly. Or the first round matches, I should say. I've got, listen, considering what happened last year, I know the Bucks are going to come out. They have, I, I know they have been thinking about this all season long and they're going to want revenge for this matchup. And Bud will probably be coaching for his job throughout the entire playoffs. I will say though that the Heat still match up really well against this Bucks team and I'll, and given enough prep time I know that Spo will device a game plan that just very few coaches can just can just out-scheme him if any So with that being said I picked the Heat in 7 games
2: Easy pick, JJ. You you won with the you went with the easy pick. I'm gonna go with the Heat and six. Oh,
0: so you that's you know. Listen, I went with Heat and seven because I said you know some people are you know I don't want to go with the you know Heat and five crowd are
1: extremely right, right. confident
0: in the team and I love it, but I think we we can beat this team. I'm not gonna be gutless and just say hey we can't beat this team. I will say that this Bucks team is better equipped for the playoffs, but I think that just I don't think
2: is it is it a hot take to say that maybe Coach Budenholzer isn't the right coach for this team? Is it a hot take to say that Bud isn't really as good as people want to make it out that he is? That's that's something that you know, listen, I, I'm
0: not I'm not gonna I'm not a and I'm not a coach, but the issues have been
2: glaring. The last yeah, few post-seasons. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. When you say somebody isn't as good as they want to say that is, people want to take not you. We're just talking in general. People may want to take that as the ultimate knock where you're saying he's a bad coach. No, it's not what I'm saying. But if you listen to people talk about coach, but don't make you think he's freaking Red Auerbach or something at times. And he hasn't shown to be that yet. As we mentioned about Atlanta, he got those teams offensively primed to a point where they're like a well-oiled machine. Nobody was a superstar of the highest order, but everybody could give you 15 points and equal out a superstar's production. I mean, and even though with a different system and a different way of doing things, he's kind of had the same impact on the Bucks. But once they get to the postseason, They're not able to make any noise, man. And you make your bones by what you're able to do in the playoffs in the NBA. He hasn't shown us he can do that yet. However, every year, you know, they're ramming down our throats how good of a coach bud is. Do it in the postseason first before you crown the man one of the greatest ever. That's all.
0: That And another thing I want to point out. Whenever he faces a scheme-breaking player like Jimmy Butler or the ultimate scheme-breaking player like LeBron James,
2: he has no answer. And you know, other I'm not saying coaches, and that's where the truest definition of coaching comes in. Not to cut you off, but you've said it at least two or three times this pod already. When there's an adjustment there needed to be made, Spoh's going to make the adjustment. It might not always work, but Spoh's going to find it, tinker, and make that adjustment. Exactly. That's how, that's how we went all the way to the finals.
0: And then, you know, and Everybody was, was banging that drum last season on, the, on Twitter. I, uh, I saw it. People were like, why is Giannis only playing 30 minutes? Why is Chris Middleton on the floor for only 30 minutes? The playoffs are the, are the time where your players play 38 to 40 minutes.
2: Right. If That's, I need you to give me 50, then you got to give me 50. Exactly. Talk if, Jimmy, all, a, if Jimmy needs to give you 52, Jimmy going to give you 54 and say save the other two. Exactly and you know tom Thibodeau,
0: you know we some people like to to clown him for you know basically running his players to the ground but he understands that in the playoffs i remember those bulls teams where jimmy butler listen of course i don't think it's i think it's not ideal to play your best player for 48 minutes for two straight games but he's not afraid to do that and jimmy butler again that lets maybe that's what maybe led to some of his knee issues in the past, which fortunately in Miami they haven't come up yet, and I hope they don't come up. But Jimmy is ready for that for the for that time, and maybe that's something that plays to our advantage. If po- and Spo, as we know, he's not afraid to play you a lot of minutes if it means that it gives us our best chance to win.
2: You want to know something that we don't talk about real quick? Um- Look, man, when you're talking about sports, basketball, baseball, soccer, whatever you're talking about, man, um inflammation and things like that, that's going to happen because, like, you know, their bodies, like, they they go through things like that. I think I, I we're not talking about this, but you brought it up with Tibbs. I think Tibbs gets a bad rap, man, for running his players into the ground. No, Tibbs just expect a certain thing of you, and I think other players, let's look at Bud, for example, and we don't know the ins and outs or the intricacies of Bud's, method or whatever but um he would seem to be on the opposite end of the spectrum as far as like a little easier going a little less demanding what we're talking about with bud is his team's teetering off intensity wise performance wise um how hard they go wise in the playoffs right what tip what tibbs does Look, man, you could be dog tired, tongue hanging out of your mouth, need a drink of water, barely able to move. But when Tibbs scream with that hoarse voice, you're going to give him everything you got. I mean, whether, whether that's 10%, whether that's 110%, whether that's a tenth of a percent, you're going to give that guy everything you got. So I think he gets a bad rap there. I think he just he, he has his coaching style when he lives in that man. Um, but, yeah, you know, I just had to point that out. No, and that's a good point. That's why the Knicks
0: play so the, the, every every go. game. Every game I've watched, they play really hard.
2: They they're, they play hard as hell, man. That like they might not be able to score a hundred points on you, but they're gonna play hard as hell every game. There are no easy wins versus the Knicks. Even if you're beating them by ten points, you feel like it's a one point game. Then they're, they're not gonna stop. They're relentless. That's something, you know.
0: We already did our prediction for for the first round for between the heat and the bucks. Let's move on to that series, Knicks and the Hawks. I think the Hawks the Hawks have the offense, the offensive advantage. That's unquestionable. Now on defense, how much can the Knicks slow down the Hawks offense so that they can compensate on the other end? And how much who does Atlanta throw at Julius Randle? Maybe John Collins. John Collins is not the answer, I don't think. Nope, nope. And if you throw Clint Capella at him,
1: Julius Randle is chicken.
0: Julius Randle is quicker than him, and he can House just drag River him man. out. To, he can drag him out to the to the perimeter, and you basically lose one of the best rim protecting bigs in the league this season, and then you open up the lanes for R.J. Barrett to drive, or the other guys. So there's an interesting conundrum there for the Hawks. And on the for, on the Knicks side, how much can you really slow down Trey Young in an in, in an entire postseason series? Because I've I think I I watched it, I read, I think yesterday, Trey Young did not play that well against the Knicks. Because and you know, I I didn't watch those games between the Hawks and the Knicks when with Trey Young didn't play that well, but I really like to see how they play him? Do they give him, or are they just going to give him those half-court three-point shots? Because Trey Young, he can, he can dice you up with his passing if you double-team him. He's he's a really good passer. It just how, how are the Knicks going to stop that Hawks offense is a big question for me. I think Thibs can do that, and the Knicks can do as a team. But I want to
2: hear your thoughts on that, Kenneth. When it comes to that particular situation, man, I look at it like this. Offense sell tickets, defense win championships, offense win in the regular season, defense wins in the postseason. Um, things are going to slow down more half-court offense in the postseason. Um, that automatically leads in the favor of the Knicks because that's the way they play ball. Nothing changes. When you can be yourself, um, you're going to be the best in that. And I think the playoffs – is basically just the same as the knicks have been playing ball in the regular season you also have this factor um name mcmillan atlanta hawks coaches he there's this thing he's been telling trey young um it's like your new school which is you know up-tempo play with pace get as many shots as you want um and he says he wants them to play like that but he also wants him to add a little old school which is to slow it down at the end of games, be able to take, you know, time off the clock, get good shots in the half court. He's still saying that because Trey Young isn't that good at that yet. In the postseason, where every possession matters, I think that's gonna bite them. They don't know how to win yet. Trey Young doesn't know how to slow it down and milk the clock yet. And also you're talking about a team, as you mentioned, that lives and dies by their offense um in the postseason your offense is gonna come and go man because shots are gonna get so much tougher the knicks hang their hat on stopping you and they have a guy who can go get you a bucket anytime because of the way he does it now trey young can get you a bucket every other time because he's just that good but the way he plays isn't necessarily efficient um to go back to the julius Randle example that you mentioned not only can he pull capella out and take away one of the best shot blockers in the game, if not the very best, depending on what you like. Um, but he can also get the guy in foul trouble because when you pull him out, you don't have to all, you know, pull him out completely to the three-point line because he could be smarter than that. Okay, I'm only going to come a step outside of the paint. But let's say you take him on that short post area and you beat him up or you get in his chest or you get him out of the game because he's fouled up. I just think that's a bad matchup for him all the way around. When you're talking about a shot blocker, a long guy like Capella, the thing that's going to bother him the most is somebody who can get up in it. And that's kind of the way Julius wants to play anyway. He wants to put his forehead on your chest when he's doing the triple threat, when he's jabbing. And he wants to look you off and put the side of his face in your shoulder. Like he wants to be all up in you like a wrestler. And that's the guy that gives shot blockers problems because you don't have leverage. You can't time it. There's no help side. Like if he's giving you body before you can get up to block the shot, he's already throwing your timing off. I mean, it's just not conducive for the Hawks to win this series from a style on style perspective from a how your best player gets it done perspective and from a how you're going to defend the opposite team's best player because if you look at the Knicks they got three or four guys they could throw at Trey Young as I mentioned Trey Young's so good offensively that every other possession he's going to get his stuff off but between Derrick Rose between Quigley between Nilakina, between everything else they got over there I think they have enough bodies to be able to slow him down somewhat or relative to the situation. And it's not, okay, it's not like the Knicks
0: are playoff veterans. But they play playoff-style basketball all season long. They
2: play slow. Uh, uh,
1: you can't they, you can't
2: ever discount what D. Rose means to them because he does have a ton of experience in the playoffs. They didn't true. mean to cut you, cut you off. That's true. That's
0: something that I wasn't taking into account. Also, you know how much, do you know how many points did Julius Randle score in this last two games against the, the Hawks. The last two times they matched up, I'm sure it was quite a bit. Tell me, JJ. Forty. The one, the last time they met, and forty four. The other time, the the time before that. So I'm I no I math wiz,
2: but that seems eighty four points
0: in two games. So I, of course, I don't expect Julius Randle to average forty points per game against the Hawks. But I expect him to be in that 28 to 20 to 30 point per game range in the series because the Hawks simply don't have an answer for him. I feel like, you know. and No, I agree with you. I
1: agree. I agree. agree.
0: And then you got the other side of the ball where the Knicks can absolutely smother you. Of course, the Hawks' offense is really good, so they're probably going to make some shots. They'll probably steal a game or two. If when when just simply the shots are falling, no matter how hard you play on defense. But more often than not, that leads to wins in the playoffs. And I've got the Knicks in six in that series.
2: I would agree with you. The Knicks in six or seven. I don't know whether I want to go six or seven because you're talking about a matchup of styles, but we can agree there. Let's go Knicks in six. I think the Knicks will win. Yeah, I think the Knicks will win, too. Now we
0: move on to the other series that we know in the East that we know is for certainly certainly happening. Nets and the Celtics. I think we already touched on the on on this series a bit, so we can just talk talk very briefly about what we think is going to happen. I've got yeah. The Nets. Give me, your, give, me your give me your prediction. Your numbers. I've, I've got Nets in five. I'll go Nets in six. Oh,
2: interesting. I know you're higher on Boston than I am. I am. But, uh, I am. Cause, because I think that, look, man, you're talking about Tatum needs a little help as far as the rest of his guys go. They need to come every night. As I mentioned, Not no back to back. So you should get the best of Kimball Walker um, between Tatum and then you have Smart. And then you actually also have Tristan Thompson, who, you know, doesn't get enough credit on that side of the ball. He's not going to get you 20 and 15 or anything like that. But he does have playoff experience. He can defend and he's another guy who you can throw at the um, Nets as far as making an impact there. So I think they have some other guys who can who can make some things happen. Like you said, though, the Nets have the top-end talent, so you have to give them the benefit of the doubt. I just think that in a playoff setting where you have guys that haven't won anything at the highest level on their own and they haven't played that much together, and especially in the playoffs, you know, you open yourself up for um, – A little bit of vulnerability. And again, on Brad Stevens, he's in that same bud boat. I don't think he's as good as everybody else is making them same, but I do think he's good enough to be able to take advantage of being the underdog. Yeah. I think you know the Nets
0: just the Nets are too good. That's my main takeaway. Now to the final play in game of the in the Eastern Conference, we've got the Indiana Pacers against the Washington Wizards. Very quickly, who do you think is going to win that game? In order to face Philadelphia, they're probably and whoever wins that game probably is going to get killed by Philadelphia in the first round.
2: I also disagree with you on Philadelphia. Joel Embiid is playing at the MVP level, but Ben Simmons still hasn't made a jump shot in his entire life, which is something that you have to take into account in the playoffs. Because think about the Giannis thing. You can build a wall against him, and you take him out of the game. Now, Embiid can kill you. But, you know, if you make him do that and hold everybody else to abysmal performances because Tobias Harris typically hasn't went nuclear in the playoffs, um, you got a shot there. But to the question that you asked, I like Washington, man. Washington has a top-end talent. You also kind of looking at another one of those situations where you're looking at with um, the Knicks and Atlanta. You have two totally different teams as far as how they want to go about beating you. Indiana wants to bludgeon you to death, play good defense, get buckets when they need to and control the game. Washington wants to score a million points on you. It's basically a contrast in the styles. Styles make fights. And in this particular fight, I'm going to take the guys who can put up 150. I think I'm going to take the Wizards too. So that brings us a
0: Sixers-Wizards series. Again, this uh, prediction could very well be Sixers, Pacers, but I'm gonna stick with Sixers, Wizards, and in that case, I've got the Wizards. Excuse me, the the Sixers. I've got the Sixers in five. I wanted to say six, but I think this just Joel B is just gonna go nuclear in that series, and you can throw Ben Simmons at either Beal or Westbrook. And the and the and the Wizards don't have a. Clear-cut answer for Embiid. I mean, Robin, Lo- Robin Lopez can maybe maybe shake him a bit, but ah, uh, no, I don't think any. They don't have an answer for Embiid, and yeah, yeah. Maybe Rui Hachimura guards
2: Tobias Harris, but I don't think it will matter. If we're talking Indiana, I see a sweep. <laughs> I think Philly can sweep Indiana. It's just a bad matchup for them. Um, oh, yeah. Um, because what you're talking about is Joel and Dematis, and then you're talking about Ben Simmons on Brogdon, big guard on big guard, um, just a bad matchup. But and depending that, on how, go ahead. Excuse, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you up, but depending on how many games Karis Levert misses due to health
0: and safety they, protocols.
2: I hadn't thought about that, but you're right, exactly. That's huge for them. I mean, think about that real quick. That's basically waking up on the day of a game seven and finding out that you can't play that that's basically what happened to him one game for the rest of your life type situation and he couldn't even play thank god that they won but um as you mentioned he probably won't be able to get back unless it was a false positive if there's anything positive associated with that then he won't be back by the time they play again now to move on to the actual scenario we think it'll be which is Washington and Philly i think that's a 7 game series man i think Washington has struggled up until this point, And yeah, they didn't beat Boston. But I think you're talking about in seven games where you have a chance to see the team night after night. When you're talking a team as talented as Washington, um, it's going to be a battle every night. Like I think regardless of whether they played the Celtics or another team in that play-in round, it would have been an equal game in that they can go back and forth with whoever is lined up on the other side. They may never be the better team, but they'll never be a walkover, so that's why I feel like it'll still go seven, even if they face the Wizards. I
0: think it is. I think Philly has the def- On defense, they they're really disciplined and they can slow down those two guys. And then the Wizards, unless Ish Smith goes and scores a lot like last night. But yeah, I, I think it's. I think Philly has a clear-cut advantage. I've got Sixers and five.
1: Now and five. On, five.
0: Yeah. I think that's just they're just too good, at least on the on against the Wizards. There, I think that's a pretty good matchup. I think the the Pacers and the Wizards are a good matchup for 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 Philly. But moving on to the Western Conference, we have got Denver and Portland. That's gonna be a fun series. Got two electric players in Nikola Jokic and Damian Lillard. How do you think that one fares?
2: Without Murray, I like
0: Portland in seven. Ooh, that's cool. cool. I'm going to go Denver in seven. I think it all depends on... Listen, Jokic, he's been the best player in the NBA this season. I think there's no question about that. Now, how the other guys perform, that's a big question. Michael Porter Jr. has been killing the league. He has been ridiculously efficient with the shooting. Aaron Gordon has fit that team like a glove. And I think just... The it'll maybe come down to, I think Lillard's gonna score a lot in that series. Don't get me wrong, because the guard rotation for the for the Nuggets is not great defensively, and maybe and McCollum and Lillard can have big series. But I think just having the better player is what ultimately will get Denver over the hump in this series. So I've got Nuggets in seven
2: i think you touched on what it is for me when you look at denver from a guard perspective um i think that's where they're their weakest um and they're their strongest along the wings but when you look at the two guys from portland who can kill you and i do mean can kill you it's their guards um and guards run the world it's still a guards game they have the ball they have the ball automatically all the time um and again in the postseason where the possessions are condensed and you know they things slow down. They don't have to rely on anybody to get them the ball. They can cross half court and get busy. And I think that's an advantage for them because Denver doesn't have their main guy that can do that. Even when you look at Gordon or Porter Jr. year, they're more wing-oriented players, but still somebody's going to have to get them the ball most of the time. So um, I just like Portland there, man. But I can't be mad at your pick. I think Murray or not having Murray really hurts them and not even from a... What he adds to the box score as much as how he helps that team run as efficiently and smoothly as possible, so I think that hurts them, but I can't argue your pick there, yeah, I think you know the the nuggets are really
0: strong at the wings, but the the blazers are really strong at the guard position, and you know the blazers wings are not exactly like well maybe Norman Power can guard and unless they throw Drake Jones or. Shout out to Derek Jones Jr. who got paid by the Blazers, and I don't know what happened. He's been out of the rotation for a bit, but maybe they can throw some Derek Jones Jr. You
2: at, know, D J J. Stay tweaking some man. He stay hurt, so he's gonna, maybe they'll throw him at Michael Porter Jr. for a bit. Oh, definitely, he'll be on one of those wings between Gordon or Porter Jr. He'll guard somebody all game long. But I just
0: think the Blazers' defense is been better with when Nurkic returned but Jokic just just can dice you apart with his passing and then he can just throw up those wild shots that look like that look like they're going on forever and they just go in and he's just so good he's been incredible this season and uh, I just I can't pick against Nikola Jokic now to the other series the LA Clippers against the Dallas Mavericks I think this. I think this is, I think this is uh, the. I don't think the Mavericks are as good as they were last season, and they and the Clippers will pose a lot of matchup problems for the Mavericks. That and, you know, the Mavericks don't have an answer for either PG or Kawhi Leonard, and the Clippers can throw a bit of PG and even the even Kawhi or Pat Bev at Luca. It all depends on how. Porzingis plays, maybe he ends up getting, I hope he doesn't, right, but you know, with his injury history, maybe he misses a couple of games. I think that Porzingis' trade it started, you know, with as time has gone on, it hasn't been as effective as the Mavericks hoped
2: it would. Nah, they don't fit, man. It's more clunky than smooth. Their games aren't a match for each other. So I don't here's, here's a
0: bold a bold prediction i don't think Porzingis by in two seasons Porzingis won't won't be with the dallas mavericks i think he gets traded this offseason maybe i don't i th- i think it's going to be hard considering they're going to want to recoup some value for him and you know that salary's going to, it's going to be really tough to to match and get some value on other teams i don't
2: know what they're willing to give up for him I agree with you. However, you have, you have to ask yourself this. Tim Hardaway has been one of their better players this year. Um, I mean, even though he's played everywhere off the bench, starting wherever, whatever, but he's also, um, I think he's also able to leave this year. Could you see them? Yeah. Could you see them, um, figuring out something with him? As far as a mood to maybe move poisoning. and I say that because like you mentioned they want to get value back from him. Well, for me, having him on your team limits what Luca's able to do for you. So he would add value by not being there at this moment. Just just a personal opinion. I would really like to see first off, a secondary playmaker
0: to take some pressure off Luca and also an elite rim rolling big man. To pair with Luka.
2: That's what he needs, an elite rim roller. I don't know if the secondary playmaker will help him as much because he's not the same if he don't have the ball in his hand. You can't ask him to play off the ball. Well, that's and even if, you're, yeah, even if you're only talking about for, you know, one of every four possessions, well, that's a possession where he isn't making something happen. Let's say you get 100 possessions, you're talking 20 possessions. You know what I mean? Or maybe a two-way guard slash
0: wing who can shoot the ball really well and defend the best player, which are usually
2: wings on the other I side. Can agree, I, can, uh, I can agree there. Somebody like a prime or Reza type. Some, somebody, a Chris Middleton type, I think. They... Right. Well, well, well that's why I said like a prime, like somebody in there. Right. A Middleton would be, that's a good one, Middleton. Yeah, but I don't think the Bucks are true. I don't think, even if the Bucks lose in the first round, I don't
0: think they'll do any major moves because they don't have any major moves to make.
2: Oh no, I don't think they can blow it up because they paid them too much. And they basically cash all their chips on
0: Drew Holiday. Yep, yep. So anyway, on the Clippers
2: side, I just think Kawhi is going to feast on this Dallas team. Too much, man. They got too much talent on that side. And he has been
0: brilliant all season long. The Clippers are an elite jump shooting team. They're the best jump shooting team this season.
2: Roger well, they and Rondo do, they do. I was about to say they shoot, they 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 shoot the magi- like mostly jumpers too though, so you know. Exactly. So I think I'm going to say Clippers in five. I agree. That was my prediction exactly.
0: It's going to be. This is going to be a mismatch, and I think Dallas will have to do some. It's going to have to answer some major questions so, uh, around their team building process around.
2: Liverpool, oh yeah. oh yeah, A lot of soul searching. A lot of soul searching after this season because right now, like said. It looks like just a bunch of parts, not a team. Exactly, I think. Oh my
0: god, I, could you imagine a? Obviously, this this is gonna sound blasphemous, but hear me out. A Luka Doncic Bam out of bio pick and roll. That's I, I will never trade Bam. That's out of the question. But just in fantasy land, imagine a Bam
2: out of bio Luka Doncic pick and roll. Yeah, that would be crazy. But I was about to ask you, how's Luka getting to Miami? Oh, that's a good one. Maybe
0: via free agency when he's going to sign, what, a five-year Mac, supermax extension this offseason. So maybe by 2026 we'll get him?
2: Perhaps, because that's the only way we'll see a Bam, Luka pick and roll. Yeah. Yeah, that's, but that's, you know, imagine. Because even, even if he doesn't develop the lick more offensively, which you hope isn't the case, which you hope is just on the way, Bam's elite defensively, man. I don't think the Heat will ever let him go because of what he brings you defensively. Well, maybe we can keep Goran as an advisor and recruit. There, there you go. Our Slovenian pitch guy. Yeah.
0: we we Goran's a heat lifer, so he'll help us out in that department. So, okay. okay. Now to the potential Phoenix Suns matchup. Tonight, we get the big playing game. LA Lakers versus Golden State Warriors. On the basketball side, listen, I know this is mostly an, a narrative driven play in game because I think the Lakers are so much superior when healthy to the Golden State Warriors. But you know, it's, it's Steph versus LeBron. The fans love that. We I love that. I'm I'm am um, I'm a fan first and foremost. I'm going to watch that game. But I know that the Lakers will probably win and I wouldn't be surprised if it, isn't, if it isn't a close game unless Steph, which he can absolutely do. He just goes ballistic on the Lakers. But, you know, the combination of LeBron and AD and this Lakers team, which I feel if they have been healthy all season long, would have been better than last year's iteration because the complementary pieces, I feel like, are much better, particularly on offense. I think that the Lakers are going to get that seventh seed and face the Phoenix Suns. What do you What do you think?
2: I agree with you on the seventh seed. Um, I think the Lakers will get that. Now to go back to something you said in the beginning, I don't know if the Lakers are that much better than the Warriors. Let's look at them the same way we looked at the Heat and the Bucks. So if you take the first best player in the series, that's going to be LeBron. The second best player is going to be Steph. The third best player, the third best player is going to be AD. Um, I can make an argument that the next 6 or 7 players are Warriors. I mean, you're going to throw Drummond somewhere in there, you're going to throw Shooter somewhere in there. But Ooh, uh, other than I that, the, re- the re- go I ahead, go ahead. I think I'm going to disagree on that regard because for me the
0: top 4 players are obviously LeBron, Steph, AD, Draymond. Then you can go maybe Wiggins, right? That's a Warrior. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's a Warrior. All right, the Warriors have the lead on that department. Then I would go Shooter. I mean, who who else on the war who, on the Warriors is better than Schroeder? Would you, would you take over Schroeder?
2: Hmm. Thinking about their roster. Thinking about their roster. Thinking about their roster. Not over Schroeder. Not over Schroeder. Nope. Not over Schroeder. Not over Schroeder. That's why I said you could throw Schroeder in there.
0: Schroeder, then, then you but, got
2: then you've got Trez, who hasn't been that as good as he was last season, but right, I think right. right right now, right now, I might I'm gonna be honest with you, based on the last ten games or so, right now you can tell me Trez and uh and JTA are a wash.
0: Hmm. Well,
2: Trez Toskana, and, Ander, Toskana Trez Anderson and, has been
0: playing really well.
2: They're, they're a wash right now, bro. Tell me they're not a wash right now. And I could even make the argument because JTA shoots the three that he's better right now than Trez is. All right, I'll, I'll give you – let's call it a wash. Let's call it a Let's tonic. call it a wash. Let's call it a wash. Watch. So
0: then you've got Drummond, Caruso maybe, KCP. I mean, I'm not. I'm not listing off that they're better. I'm just saying the candidates. Right, right, right. You're right just right,
2: naming right. guys because what? What we got? Ubre on. We got Ubre on Golden State, right? Right. So Ubre is up in there somewhere. I'll take Ubre over K. I'll take Ubre over KCP Caruso. Let's go Ubre and Drummond. A wash. Yeah. I mean, well, I think it all depends on how well
0: Drummond fits. Right, yeah, but, you know, but we're talking. I mean, AD and has, LeBron, he, but on the individual.
2: Individually, I'll, I'll let you finish your point. Oh no 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 no! Um, individually, you're going to say that you might take Drummond better as a counting stats player, but when you're looking at their fit and playoff basketball, I'm going to take Ubre because Ubre can do more for you. Like Drummond, if he's not getting rebounds, you're not going to drop it down to him and tell him get you a bucket. So I mean, oh, no, at, he, he can't at, do that. Right at best, they're a wash. Even though I can make the case that Ubray's better. So even if you go with those three washes on the back end, you got three guys to two Lakers guys. But I will say, I think, I think Caruso has been
0: stellar, excellent this season. So I would, I would take probably KCP who has, I'm, I'm a KCP defender. I saw him no, last year. No, I,
2: and you've mentioned him several times already. I can tell. tell. <laughs> I'm a KCP
0: defender. And I like those type of players. There's those three and T wings, I think they they're so valuable in today's game and what KCP brings to the, also I really like his his not burner account but we all know that that's him <laughs> and on Twitter I, I think that's really funny well as a basketball mm-hmm. player I really like KCP so the other guys that are left for the Warriors are I think Jordan Poole, Kevon Looney, right? Yeah. And who else? Cuz I we mentioned already JTA, Draymond, Kelly.
2: I think the Lakers still take that. I mean, I mean, because when you look at, it, I mean, just to go back, like you said, you have um, LeBron and you have uh, you have LeBron and you have AD. That's what you have on the Lakers. I mean, basically, and then you have Draymond and Steph on the Warrior side. So it's basically about who has the better others. You know what I mean? I still think the Lakers. I still the Lakers have the better others. Okay. Yeah, sorry. I I disagree with you, man. Because you still have Eric Pascal. Um, uh, how much how much has Pascal played this season? He well, he hasn't been able to get on the floor because Juan Toscano-Anderson's been taking all those minutes. That's what I'm saying. You have guys that. I think that when it comes down to it and you need dependable bodies to make a play for you, you have more of those guys on the Warriors than you do on the Lakers because the Lakers have AD and LeBron and because they're coming off a title and because the Warriors have struggled all season, people aren't looking at that. They're looking at the records. Whereas I think body for body after you get past Draymond, AD, uh, Steph and LeBron, who are four guys that, you know, tough to get past. You look at the Warriors and the Warriors have a better roster. But I can't argue with you, bro. I, I can't argue with you because you can make that case based on the things you've said. I
0: still, I I think it's going to be, going to be a fun game, but I think the Lakers are going to pull it out,
2: which takes oh, us yeah, to- Oh no, yeah, no, 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 I agree with you there. I think the Lakers will win this playoff game because I think LeBron is just that good. Oh, LeBron's not going to let them lose.
0: He will absolutely, right. not, especially we, not against Steph. As much as they publicly claim to respect each other, I know that LeBron hates losing to him. Agree. That brings us to a Phoenix Lakers series. It's going to be the first time that the Le, that LeBron James and Chris Paul face each other in a playoff setting. As everybody everybody knows that LeBron and, and Chris Paul are really good friends, and we're going to hear that nonstop during the broadcasts. So be prepared for that. How they match up, though, is going to be really interesting. Because the Lakers have the best defense in the NBA. Last time they played without LeBron, AD cooked. And I mean cooked. The Suns. Scored more than 40. And they won the game. So I think Phoenix has some trouble in that department because Aiton cannot hang with AD and when and they play and when if they play AD at the 5 in long stretches that's a stretch that I think the Lakers are just going to win because I know that AD doesn't like to play the 5 but that's their best combination of players AD at the 5 and you let the rest sort sort itself out with either Le- with LeBron Schroeder, KCP maybe throw maybe throw some tress at the power forward slot. I don't know if that would work because Tress is exclusively a rim runner. But yeah, I don't think I think this is a bad matchup for the Suns.
2: I agree with you, man. Um I mean I think that they've had a golden year. I think that they've been clicking at a high degree for most of the year whereas other people have been tuning up. But as you mentioned, I think it's just a bad matchup with them and the Lakers. They go home and six.
0: Yeah, I think Lakers and six. That's a good prediction. Now, Memphis and San Antonio, the playing game. I think San Antonio wins based solely on their experience and Pop just gonna devise an excellent game plan for John Moran. Basically you're just gonna you're just gonna drop off. You're gonna play drop coverage heavy drop coverage against Jaw. Just say, hey. Shoot some threes and beat us. And yep, then, yep. Or, dunk the other... Pelts
2: or dunk on Peltz or dunk on every time. Exactly. Try to dunk on portal Right. Exactly. Well, that exactly. They're going to be like either shoot the three or try to dunk on him. So I got the Spurs. DeMar Drosen
0: has been really good, particularly as a playmaker this season. And he's making the shots. And then they'll face the Warriors in that in our scenario, our created scenario, which I feel is the most likely scenario, and I, th- I think the power of Steph will be too much for the Spurs to overcome.
2: Yep, I
0: agree. So that leaves us with our final first round preview prediction, I should say. Utah against Golden State. I've got Utah in six.
2: <sighs> if Utah and Golden They don't have an, an S.
0: I've, I've ahead, I I don't think they have an answer for Steph. But the rest of the guys, the the Jazz are a well-oiled machine on offense and they can defend. They've got the ultimate rim eraser in Rudy Gobert. Maybe that doesn't matter th- uh, that much against Steph, but he can render the other guys ineffective on offense if he just erases the rim because they're just going to force him to live in the perimeter That's where the Jazz might struggle a bit. because Donovan Mitchell is not a great defender. Mike Conley, eh. Royce O'Neal is their best bet in, in that department.
2: If the Jazz face the Warriors, I think that the Warriors will win that series in seven games. I say that because the Jazz have been clicking at such a high level offensively all season long that they are primed for a letdown. They're primed for a letdown. Um, and as you mentioned, who's going to guard Steph? Steph can go off for 40 every night. And the thing about Gobert, he has that drumming thing with him. During the regular season where he's going to block five shots, get you 15 boards, get you 12 to 15 points on putbacks, wonderful. Or will take it every game for 82 because that's going to get us in the playoffs. But when things slow down, that doesn't mean as much. And then if you're going to play him, if they're going to play JTA at the five or if they're going to play Draymond at the five, then somebody's going to have to get out and guard those guys. I mean, he's going to at least have to take a step. And as soon as he take a step, that's when you have the Oubre's, the Pascal's, the Wiggins, the Bazemore's, the Pools. That's when you have them driving full speed at the lane. And, well, he might convert or he might not. He might get that blocked. Um, there's so many things that can happen off that. I just think there's a bad matchup. The way that Golden State wants to do it isn't conducive to the way that Utah defends it, and it's just not going to work out for them. So if Utah faces Golden State in the first round, I think Golden State wins that in seven. If Utah faces anybody else in the first round, I think they win that series in six. Do we really have to step up to guard Draymond in the perimeter? I think that you're gonna have to step up and guard him because even if you're not worried about him taking a shot, the more space he has, the more ability he has to create a play for somebody else.
0: Oh, that's a that's something that you can take into account. But I think the it would be I would be better served to just have Rudy play drop coverage against him and just stay uh, just stay there. Go ahead. Just stay there and and just eliminate those cutting lanes. Because when Rudy is there, you're just going to eliminate those cutting lanes. If Rudy
2: plays plays drop coverage against Draymond, they're going to attack him with the other four and make him pick. And then you got layups all day. I'm telling you that's how they're going to play him in the playoffs. But go ahead. I I was going to say, Draymond can just play a, a version of the dribble handoff that we use in Miami. Right, but it's going to be a short, condensed version because it's going to make him make a decision. And whatever decision you make, we're going the opposite way. So either you're going to have to be quick enough to block this layup on the backside, or you're going to foul me. I would play the—and listen,
0: They if they can put Draymond on the block and have the other guys just start screening like crazy for Steph and the Utah guards, they're not
2: going to fight over those screens and notice what I said. I I said I set it up specifically for that strategy that you are mentioned now because you're playing JTA or Draymond at the five. Of course, you're going to get minutes where Kevin Looney comes in or even, you know, dare I say, somebody else comes in to spell you. But for the most part, you're going to get one of those extremely mobile and skilled guys at the five because that's the way you're going to be to take advantage of Rudy Gobert. So you're just going to have Donovan – well, I don't think the Jazz will
0: put Donovan on Steph – but they're gonna have Mike Conley or
2: Boyan just running after after Steph. No, the you, you you said you mentioned it. Well you have hit on it there, but you have hit on it earlier. They're gonna have Royce O'Neill chasing them all game.
0: Well, and that opens up the the other guys to well, I think they're basically just their Wiggins. If they put O'Neal on Steph, which I think is their best chance at slowing him down. They're just gonna dare st- uh, Wiggins to, and Obrey to say, "Hey,
2: make the shots, beat us." Yep. And recently, last week, I want to say they deployed the same strategy. I think Wiggins won for forty-two.
0: Yeah, exactly. And Wiggins made the shots, but I wouldn't count. I wouldn't necessarily count on Wiggins to replicate that performance because Wiggins, w- w- listen, he's a fine player. I know sometimes we over we slander
2: Wiggins. We yeah, he's for, not a, for clicks and we, stuff. We, we, We've learned he's not a number one. But he's but still a serviceable a, player. Right. But as a number two or a number three, hmm, that make him work. Now, here's my thing. Do we need him to go for 42? If you just get me 20, Steph's going to get me 30, and that's going to give me a chance to win. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I think Steph is going gonna, to no less than 30 for him to series. Yeah, because even if you run Royce O'Neill behind him all game long, he can get you 30 anyway. That's just that's just how good he is, and the
0: the Warriors have have these plays designed for Steph between Steph and Draymond that they've been running for the last five or six years. They they're just gonna spam all over the place, and they that's a that's a thing about playing together for so long. They just have the timing down to a T. I've watched some Warriors games this season, and it's, they've they place each other. They they play. Off each other so well because they play with each other you know their their entire careers basically and for the last six years ever since Steve Kerr got there they've been running the same place and they and when you've got the greatest shooter to have ever lived one of the greatest point guards of all time that's just gonna that's a huge boost to your offense it's even though your other players are not gonna contribute In that manner or you're going to be a Klay Thompson or Kevin Durant level player so with that being said I think it's time we close with close out this show the Miami Heat play their first game against the Milwaukee Bucks on Saturday at 2 p.m. don't miss that game Heat fans I think this series is gonna be I'm really excited for this series this obviously I'm a Heat fan but I'm um, really anticipating the series. This is my most anticipated series in the first round. So, Kenneth, you have something else to add before we close?
2: Uh, yeah, man, I would say don't be as afraid of the Bucks as, you sh- as, as people will try to make you seem or people will try to make you be. Uh, as mentioned, we can build that wall against him, and if he's not going to hit three-point shots, which I highly doubt that he is, then they're in for a long series. Unless he hits three-pointers at the rate that he did in that Brooklyn game, which at that point, you just waved the white flag. Yeah, but, you know, I fully, he won't. I got to see it, JJ. I got to see it. He won't.
0: But just know that, you know, there's at least one game where he did it. Just, just going to say. Anyway, Heat in seven, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can also leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts that will help us grow. Let's watch the NBA playoffs, Heat fans. So, see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305CulturePod. Wear your mask, keep your distance, and watch the NBA. See you next week.